The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba in the Bloom, episode 16. We are cranking through the month of August, which means we have about a month and a half of the baseball season to go, a little over, about, about seven weeks of the baseball season to go. So we're going to keep the content coming at you. we got some recent news. we got the weekly weekend uh, game to play. we got some hitting changes to talk about from 2021 to 2022 and much, much more. Uh, before we get to that, though, I'm on Twitter at Bediantric. My co-host, as always, on Twitter at Ryan BHQ, Ryan Bloomfield. How we doing, man? Fantastic. Uh, sorry to sorry to miss last week, but had to had to apologize. had to take some vacation time. So I I would recommend. Um, I mean, you don't want to plan vacations around the MLB trade deadline, but I was like so lost when I got back when all of these trades happened. I'm still like kind of catching up on. I know everyone who's been traded and and that sort of thing, but like just seeing like random. Random guys on teams that I did not know. Uh, some of that is still uh, still catching up to me. And then there's 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 a guy named Bubba that people are are fabbing for speed now. Like so much has changed since uh, <laughs> I forgot since about I, that. So, so since good. I left. <laughs> This is why I love Bloomfield. Like he like he's on vacation. I know he's like unplugged, but then all of a sudden I get this like 
he's, he attaches me to a tweet about Bubba Thompson, and he's all Bubba, a lot of pressure on you for speed this week. I'm like, oh, here we go. So counting on you, stuff. man. Yep, yep. Counting. Most people that yeah, they call me a freight train. It takes a while to get started, but once I get going, get out of the way. Of the way. <laughs> it's, it's hard to slow down. But um, yeah, that no, was good. Uh, what was more surprising to you? I guess maybe the Juan Soto trade or the fact Wilson Contreras didn't get traded. It's funny we made that joke uh, on the show like two weeks ago, where it's like we were, they were doing the kind of the send offs, and I, I think I said like, what if Chicago just didn't trade? None Wilson of them. Hap didn't go. Contreras didn't go. None of the guys are getting hugs. None of them. Yeah. It's their entire bullpen, but um that that was probably more most surprising like why why would they hold on to wilson Contreras when they've got nothing the soto trade did not really surprise me at all it was cool to see him go to the padres i know padres haven't been that great since and they kind of got shellac last weekend against la but uh doesn't mean too much for the playoff race so um that's a heck of a lineup and when tatis comes back man they're gonna be fun and he's rehabbing now. He could be back, I think, next week, it looks like. So yeah. it's it's that could be real interesting. It's still up in the air, though, where he's going to play. Does he play the outfield? Does he play shortstop? At least I haven't heard anything as of today. And that will definitely have some uh, legs on, you know, other people's playing times. So that will definitely be something to monitor going forward. But uh, let's talk about something we do know. We'll start with our news here. And it's been a rough one because you and I were both big Tim Anderson fans this year. And he's had some very good moments, but he's had a lot of IL stints. And now he's pretty much done for our season. He's out four to six weeks with a torn ligament in his hand. It's like, even if he gets healthy, a torn ligament does not make me feel warm and fuzzy about being productive when he comes back. So um, I'm pretty much dropping him this weekend. I wanted to get your thoughts on this, and then we'll talk about the ramifications of it. Same. Yeah. Uh, dropping right now. I mean, you, you can't hold on to someone for uh, the remainder of the season when they're going to be out for uh, at, at least a good chunk, if not all. We'll see where the White Sox are in the playoff race and how motivated they are to to push Anderson back when he's back. But it's kind of funny, like Anderson started off hot and then you kind of, I don't know. Uh, I mean, since we both have him on, on a bunch of teams, you kind of, kind of set and forget. And we're still starting him, of course, and, and all that. But like hit, hitting 300, but only six home runs this season, only 13 steals. I know some of that was injury related, like he had the groin injury and that, and that sort of thing. But Anderson only had, I think, one home run since like late May and only three steals since that groin injury in June. Like he kind of was like limping to the finish. And maybe that's injury related. I don't know. Like maybe with the with the track record, we give him a pass. But I'm kind of writing off Anderson for the rest of this year. It'll be fascinating to see what his ADP will be next season because Anderson. I mean, he's going to be 30 next year. Yeah, and which is crazy. I would have lost a bet on. That. I would have lost a bet on 30. Yeah, and I mean that's. I mean, speed tends to go, and he's had leg problems at least each of the last two seasons. Yep. So I know we have all all off season to talk 2023. Well, maybe we we're actually in a draft for 2023 next week. Um, maybe Anderson will get taken there, but but yeah, he'll be an interesting one because because yeah, though that, that type of skill set turn tends to go south pretty quick when you go into your 30s and then you tack on a lot of the leg issues. I know this one's a risk yeah. with Anderson, but he did have the groin earlier, and it's um, a lot of warning flags. Yeah, he'll be definitely one that's worth digging into because he'll be the if you draft early, you're going to get a pretty good value on him because a lot of people are going to kind of want to see how the hand heals and like. It's one of those that once like spring training starts, if he comes out gangbusters, he'll be back up to like the third round again. So 
it's one of those do you take the risk on a potential stud or do you like you said is it this injury after injury he's getting older which ones are going to be again we'll have tons of discussion on that later but that'll be it'll be fun to see next week when we draft like what maybe we'll talk next thursday maybe we already got our podcast for next thursday we'll talk about our our first six rounds of that draft and um and see where he goes because i still imagine he goes in the first six rounds in a 15 teamer but i'm curious of where he goes that'll be uh, fun to discuss flip side though Lori Garcia, because Tony LaRusso loves him for some reason, for God knows what reason. But Lennon Sosa is interesting. I know you probably got some good stuff from Baseball HQ's guys on that, but putting up some really good numbers in the minors. I'm intrigued with them. I've been playing him in DFS for $2,000 a day. Like It's been in, worth the punch for me. But a pretty productive guy, decent power, little bit of speed, but good value average. Uh, what do you got on uh, Lennon Sosa and Lori Garcia? A lot more interested in Sosa than Garcia. I mean, at this point, we know the the ten lives of of Lurie Garcia. So Sosa's. I mean, Sosa. Yeah, Sosa's interesting. Like the HQ write up our prospect team. We write up every single player that gets called up and give them a, a prospect rating and that sort of thing all season long. And Sosa got an eight C prospect rating, which uh, means that he's got a actually a pretty reasonable chance to be a, a, a pretty decent. Uh, fantasy player and that doesn't mean it's going to happen like right now this is Sosa's age 22 season he's three for his first 20 um but Bubba like you said the the, the good minor league numbers he he was at double a hit 330 at double a over 289 playing appearances with 14 bombs and hit two, 275 at triple a so he's adjusting well and you know who knows what the the small sample will go in the majors but I think he's going to get the shot and so that's that's at least worthy of again in, in, in like something like al tout you're you're rostering anyone who who is playing but even in like a 15 teamer um if you're desperate in middle infield so is at least going to get a shot yeah 100 percent. i um i think in 15 teamers probably got some legs obviously in al like you said like you pray to god like the white Sox are pretty much out of it well i guess it's so tight in the central he's got a chance but yeah. let's let's see what let's see what the kids got let's be realistic about this but uh, i guess time will tell on that situation but uh yeah i'm with you 100 on that one already has like 106 max ev so that i mean that that's pretty good the strikeout rate's been rising with each level in the in the minors so that's a little bit of a concern but um you never know yeah he's uh it's, he's off to a slow start which you kind of expect but out of his three hits double and home uh, he's got one walk seven k's see what happens he's hitting at the bottom of the order so that kind of is rough but um i'd still rather gamble on him than larry garcia um colorado rockies they're losing elias diaz for a bit going on the 10 day il he's got a hand injury uh, i haven't seen the total i've been scrolling scrolling i haven't seen the complete issue with it yet but uh he hurt his hand on a swing so that sounds like hamate bone to me but i could be wrong i'm not a doctor that's usually how that one goes uh, so he's gonna be out for at least 10 days and that brings brian swervin back into the mix or servant i was calling swervin who's had um some highlights from time to time this season yeah, some some highlights, some lowlights. Uh, it's just a streamer play. And like looking at Colorado's next two weeks, they've kind of got split series. So they they start next week um, at St. Louis for three, and then they face your Giants the following weekend at home in Coors. Then the following week, two games against Texas at home, and then four on the road at the Mets. So like the schedule isn't really that great for for Servin. Um, probably not starting him even in like 15 teamers second catcher but um yeah we'll see it's kind of a diaz was was pretty rough this year so you're not really yeah. losing much there by uh having to drop his services 
Yeah, Diaz turned into a guy I was really in on the start of the year. Then I would drop him and potentially stream him when they're in Coors weeks. That's pretty much what he turned into for me in, in deeper formats. So, yeah, it's not the uh, biggest thing to lose. Yep. And a lot of Coors this, this year was that we didn't have those split weeks. So, like, it was either yeah. all Colorado was yeah. all at home or all away. And that it looks like that's starting to change here with the next uh, few weeks. So, that makes it even tougher in uh, in weekly formats. 100%. When fantasy titles mean the most, they mess with our oh, yeah. schedule. So go figure. Red Sox fans, if you want to fast forward, probably about five minutes, I recommend this one because uh, Chris Sale, as you already know, has having season ending wrist surgery because he went full Madison Bumgarner, got in a bike accident while he was rehabbing for a, a, a hand injury, which is what you want to hear for a guy you paid millions of dollars for. Um, if you want to search and see exactly how much he's worth, you should go check it out on Twitter. There's a breakdown of how many starts he's made since his contract. Good stuff. But uh, yeah, he's out for the rest of the season. Not good. Not good. And it's easy to like poke fun. You can make the jokes and all that sort of thing. But it did kind of freak me out that you can break your 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 wrist on a on a bike. Like I'm just starting to to teach my three-year-old with the training wheels, like. I don't need that negative energy um, in, in that training process. But, but yeah, obviously rough for sale. And the thing is like, I don't know, kind of a double-edged sword. Like it's not really arm, you know, shoulder, elbow, like pitching related. But Chris Sale just threw five innings this year yeah. in the majors. And, and, and this is on the cusp of 42 innings in 2021 did not pitch at all in 2020. So like we have not seen Chris sell through more than 50 innings in by next season, it'll be four years. And you just really have to wonder, and I'm talking about 2023 value at this point, even if he's totally healthy and that sort of thing next season, like what is that innings total look like? How far can he go? It's been that long since, since sale has gone into triple digits and he's not young either anymore. Next year will be Chris sales age 34 season. So even though the injuries themselves like fluky, whatever, that sort of thing, um, definitely pretty worried about the combination of age and workload at this point for him. Yeah, I'm terrified, and I, you know things can always change. But he's already pretty much going to be crossed off my list for next season. I'm just going to not even worry about that headache because the biggest thing is the workload. Like I, I understand we talk about older pitchers; they just kind of let them go. They can ramp up differently, but we're not talking like one season off. Like you said, it's just four seasons. Like that arm is not getting used. It's a uh, a bit concerning. I'm 100 with you. And as you uh, mentioned, Cutter Crawford. Um, got shelled yes. against Kansas City his last time out, which is the first blip on the radar. But I've been rolling with that guy nonstop. So there's really nothing to stop him outside of maybe an innings limit now. Yeah, pretty much. And, and yeah, he, Cutter Crawford is pretty much locked into a role for as long as, as he can go. Yeah, like had that rough start last time against KC, but I think the skills look pretty good for for Cutter Crawford. 430 ERA, but below that is a 370 FIP. He's missing bats, 12% swing, strike rate um that's someone who i i think you can definitely keep rolling out there like i it, it does suck to have that kind of blow up against us on a, against a team that you're kind of banking on as a streamer um good outcomes but um i still like what i see from cutter crawford he had a few good outings right before that so 100 uh, he's still gonna be locked into pretty much all of my lineups these days so no complaints there i do have a complaint though is alex kirilov another oh. season ending wrist surgery and now i'm concerned about the future for this guy because now that's back-to-back -back seasons with this wrist injury and you know with modern technology you'd hope they'd be able to get a surgery to make things better again but 
I'm losing optimism on this one. This really stings because the guy's so talented and it might just be lost on this one. So I'll have to kind of keep an eye on that for going forward. But it does open up. Uh, you, you mentioned it here, and I added him on a lot of places last week, Nick Gordon, who it's just been about playing time for him. Is when he plays consistently this season, he's played very well, but he's always getting platooned or this, that, and the other. Well, right now, between Kirilov being out, uh, Sano got bounced. Like there's so many guys moving around. It looks like there's some consistent time coming up for Nick Gordon. So what do you got for us there? In the, I mean, we've talked about Nick Gordon a bunch on this pod, and the skills have been there. Really, like the power, the power is is not something. Obviously, you look at Nick Gordon, like you don't think there's a there's a bunch of pop there, but forty eight percent hard hit, twelve percent barrel rate, hundred ten max EV. Like he is, he's crushing the ball five homers and, and 264 plate appearances. Like the results haven't been there, but the underlying skills absolutely are. And he's going to get a shot regularly. I mean, I think last week was the week to, to, to grab Nick Gordon, but Gordon's still available in 70% of 12 teamers and on the NFBC. So um, with the Kirilov injury, he's locked in. He's, he's running like crazy. He's five for eight on the base pass. You like to see maybe a little bit better percentage, but he at least has a green light. The, the power skills are there. He's not striking out too bad. 24% K rate in this game isn't, isn't awful hitting 277. So like, yeah, you're looking for a five category kind of difference maker these last six weeks or so. Nick Gordon should be pretty high on that list. And, and, and the Kirilov thing, like just real quick on him, like it just yeah. sucks, man, because he was like, he was a legitimate, like top 10, Stead. maybe top five prospect in baseball and two years in a row now with that wrist injury he's gonna be 25 next year like it's just he's not getting reps i mean not not just the injury side but just his development his growth like that's um it, it's it's rough you hate to see that yeah it really sucks because he shows like when he's healthy he mashes so we'll have to see where that one goes but one more thing on nick gordon since he started playing regularly it was roughly around like july 27th give or take so he's played 12 games since then Hit safely at nine of twelve with six doubles, a homer, seven runs, seven RBIs, and two stolen bases, as you mentioned. So he's hitting four oh five. But the more important thing for me is the eleven point four percent walk and sixteen percent strikeout rate. He's being super productive there with the power upside, over twelve percent barrel, forty four percent hard hit, like you mentioned. But just this small sample, it is a small sample. But since he started playing regularly, just this little bit you're seeing what he can do productive wise. And it's very like, he's not going to hit four or five the rest of the year. I'm not crazy, but the fact he can get on base, like you said, he's running two steals already over like a 12 game span. Like they're going to let him do things. And the fact he's walking is also good. So I love what I'm seeing from him. Yep, And I'm, I'm glad you point out that sample, even though it is kind of small, like it's important to like once to look back at once someone has had that everyday playing time, that routine. Cause it's, it's really hard to, uh, Mm-hmm. to put up good numbers, put up good skills when you don't know you're going to be in the lineup every day or not. So um, yeah. it's a good one. Our good buddy Joe Rico has got a question that's pertinent to what we're talking about here is uh, Kirilov or Kalinic, who has the better outlook? Oh. It might be Kalinic. I always screw it up. He just got sent back down to AAA yeah. today on Thursday. So that's a great question. It's like injury versus guy that just can't figure it out. Because at least Kirilov, we've seen him figure it out when he's healthy. Like Kalinic really never has. I would, I would have to go Kirilov. I just, yeah. it's, and I've seen a lot of Kelnick this year. Like it, it's, it's just not good. Um, and, and yeah, like Seattle. I mean, I know for the rest of this season, that's a crowded outfield. Like Kelnick should have gotten um, sent down. Like Haggerty has, 
has earned that playing time in the outfield for Seattle. But yeah, I'll go Kirilov and just kind of hope that the glimpses that we've seen from him while healthy um, will continue into next season. Hope that he can just stay healthy. Whereas Kelnick, like he's been given maybe four or five chances now in the majors and just just done absolutely nothing with it. So it's a good, uh, good comp by Joe. That's a great comp. And if people have not listened to his podcast, I highly recommend checking it out. So go check out all Joe's work. It's great stuff. Great dude. And, um, Always a fun time, but um, yeah, I think I'm going to go Kirilov too, and it's tough because wrist injuries terrify me, but a guy that can't hit a baseball terrifies me too, so I'm going to go with Kirilov on this one. I'll put. <laughs> yeah. Um, Max Freed, this one stings because I love Max Freed, and, and many people love Max Freed, and he's having another pretty great year after everyone said, oh, he can't do it again. He's just a fly ball pitcher, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's doing it again. It's bricked everybody, um, and he goes on the seven-day IL with a concussion, so hopefully it's not too serious. You never know. Those can be weird. There's really no specific timetable. But, um, yeah, he's going to be down and out for at least a week. But that means Ryan's guy is back. I'm going to say Ryan's guy because we'll talk about more of it later. But you have the floor about Ian Anderson. It, it's it's Ian Anderson season right now. He's back. <laughs> Call Rotoware picked... right now. Call Rotoware right now and get that I... shirt made. <laughs> I, I for listeners two weeks ago when we made our weekly picks. I picked Ian Anderson. It's no saying it might be it might have been his swan song in the Atlanta rotation. I think he did get sent down shortly after that. Yeah, but, he did. He's he's only back because of a doubleheader this week. Yeah. So, but spun a gem for him. He got nine Ks and and took home the the pitching crown in our in our week. And I got eight Ks. Game, so. Well, we'll talk about it later. I guess yeah, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I don't know. And then Anderson got kind of shelled his following start. So um, I'm I, I'm not super like high on Ian Anderson. I, I I do I do appreciate what he did for the for the Bloom squad uh, so far. And I'm going to go back to that well this week. But I think it's just uh, from a brave standpoint, like it's it's just temporary. I think Ian, Ian Anderson is that like sixth guy, that fill in guy when they need him, and then nothing more than that. When and with Freed, like I hate to say just a concussion you never know the the long-term effects and how serious it is and that sort of thing um doesn't sound too bad and it sounds like if anything like it might be beneficial in a weird way where he just kind of gets a week or two off to kind of uh revamp and 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 rest up for for what should be a postseason run at defending their their title in atlanta so um not i mean i'm not dropping or doing anything with max free you're just holding him and starting him next week if the yeah. if the news is good and you're only going for ian anderson if uh you absolutely have to yeah the one thing i will say is as i got this pulled up not now i'm intrigued because the thing with ian anderson's frustrating is we know we've seen gyms and we've seen disasters so um and even on rotowire right now they got him pitching saturday but they don't even have him in the rotation next week. Well, they still have free. They haven't moved it. So he, if he takes Freed's spot, which we'd imagine he will, um, well, maybe not. But it would be Houston, which probably doesn't mean pick him up. Yeah, probably don't pick yeah. him up. But we'll see. They haven't updated that yet because they still have Freed in there two days from now or Tuesday. So we'll see. Um, the New York Yankees, Matt Carpenter, his legendary story has come to an end for 2022. Uh, fractured foot, no surgery needed. That came out on Thursday. So. It's pretty much just let it heal. Hopefully six to eight weeks. They'll have him back for the postseason, but he's done for now. Um, I thought it was interesting because Glaber Torres has really kind of fallen off the last month or so, and he's been platooning a lot more, so that kind of keeps keeps him back in the lineup. But um, there's some other guys, one of your favorites, that might get a chance now. 
Yeah, I mentioned this on the on the trade deadline episode, hoping that the Yankees would would literally free Miguel Andujar by trading him. They did not; they kept him. But Andujar, at least for now, it looks like the beneficiary of uh, Matt Carpenter going down. He's started the last two games at DH and left field for the Yankees. Results have been okay. He's hitting 246, 60 plate appearances. Never going to have a great walk rate, but um, I don't know. Miguel Andujar, like if you need some batting average with maybe you fall into a couple homers um, in that lineup, that can work. But I don't, I mean, you've got Stanton coming back pretty soon. You've got Harrison Bader. See, I, I'm caught up on my trade, trade deadline yeah. stuff. Uh, Harrison how shocking, Bader how shocking was that trade for you? Montgomery yeah, that was one. Bader. Yeah, that was one where I was just trying to catch up, and I was like, yeah, that's weird. And then I was like, isn't he hurt? And yeah, he was, but um, I don't know. Hey, Bader's coming back in September. Stanton's coming back. So, like, and Duhar, as much as I, like, hate to say, I I do like him. I still think there's something there from what we saw his rookie season. Not the greatest real-life baseball player, and that's why the Yankees don't really prioritize him. But you're probably looking at a one to two week fill in. So if you absolutely need somebody in the outfield for next week, I'd go with Anduhar. Um, but nothing really longer than that. And just yeah, like an ode to Matt Carpenter, man. What a what a, see like what a weird like roller coaster career, even. Like I mean, he's had some really low low some really high highs like in 2018 and this season hit 15 homers through a five batting average, 128 at bats. Like that dude, um, that dude helps some rosters. So big time. Yeah. Cause I thought it was funny when he first came up, like there's no way Then I had him in a lot of teams by the time, you know, I, after a few weeks, I pe- started picking him up and playing him pretty religiously. And um, it was pretty nice. Uh, sadly, obviously not going to be playing him any farther, but uh, like 13 home runs, a little over a hundred bats or whatever. Well, it just, it's crazy to see what, what Matt Garber did, did this year. I know he, he worked on changing his swing and everything. So we'll see how that plays out going forward. But when we're talking about potential replacements this weekend, Here's your big guy to go out and get in fab release. You're going to watch people pay a lot of money to get in fab this week. With Orlando Arcia going out for four to six weeks, Ozzy Albies isn't back for a couple more weeks at the earliest. There's still setbacks that can take place there. Vaughn Grissom gets the call for the Atlanta Braves, and he is, I believe, their top prospect. Michael Harris is already crushing it. Vaughn Grissom comes up straight from double-A, just like Michael Harris. In his debut in Boston, two for four with a home run and a stolen base, two runs, two two ribbies. So a combo meal in his debut in Fenway Park. He hit 324 with 14 home runs, 72 runs scored, 27 stolen bases. I know it's double-A, but these numbers are insane, what he did. And his first game didn't help quiet the noise at all. So... It'll be interesting, Ryan. What do you got on this one? Because I have a lot of money in certain leagues, and I'm feeling frisky this week because there ain't much time left for anybody that matters. Yeah, so, like, and that's the thing. Like, it's, I don't know, and I don't want to, like, pour cold water on him, but, like, with Grissom, but, like, he's going to go for some money this weekend. A lot. Um, A lot. Because, like, two-week rental. For those exact reasons, Bubba, that you mentioned is, like, heck of a debut the combo meal like at fenway like really cool stuff um if you if you run if you if you hit for some power you're gonna um you know you're gonna go for a lot and then people i mean like you who have money are are gonna spend it there so um it's gonna be interesting what they do with grissom because ozzy albies like you said is probably coming back in two weeks and are you willing to kind of fork out a considerable amount of fab on someone 
who hasn't really played in the majors and is potentially, I mean, maybe he could go to the outfield once Ozzy Albies returns. Um, but it's, it's, it's risky is all I'm saying. So, um, I'm probably not going to be on the bidding. I don't have much money left in my leagues anyway at this point, but, um, I certainly hope it works out. And like, and certainly then another thing to keep a track here is like you mentioned, Michael Harris, well, but is the organization context like Atlanta has done very well with um, transitioning their minor league players into the majors lately. And maybe that's just narrative. Maybe that's just kind of spot picking a few guys, but it certainly seems like they know what they're doing with those guys. And I don't think they would be this aggressive on Grissom if, um, yeah. you know, if, if they didn't see something there. So that that is the side of uh, that's kind of the, the glass half full side of this when in fab this weekend. And that's kind of my thought is they brought him up for a reason. Like they could have brought someone else up for two weeks. It's one of right. those like, hey, we like what we're seeing here. You know, there's other guys in this team like Ozuna and stuff that aren't playing that great. Can we make move guys around and see what happens? Um, that's the, the only thing holding me back from really going crazy is obviously Ozzy Albies when he gets back is taking the spot. That's pretty right. cut and dry. There's no sugarcoat in that one. But even if it's two to three weeks, at this point in the season, that's almost half the season if it's three weeks. And if you can go and get like three or four steals and a couple home runs, like that adds up quick right now. So it's kind of like, where else are you going to find that? We talked about Nick Gordon. Nick Gordon's much, I think Nick Gordon's a much better pickup than Grissom, probably, yeah. most likely, because he should have the job the rest of the way. But you're getting a similar skill set on paper, at least. That's the way I want to describe it. So uh, it's something I would think about going forward. Just one should play the rest of the season. One. We don't know yet. That's that's the big thing. Kyle Schwarber left Thursday's game with a right calf strain. They're calling it mild, and he's day-to-day. But, man, these calf strains, I don't like – these aren't good, especially for a power hitter for one. It's his right calf. So as a lefty, that's his plant foot, like a, a step and plant. But just those things – day-to-day turns into like four to five days. Sometimes it turns into a week when a calf strains. If he's back tomorrow, I'd be shocked. But uh, what do you think about this one? Yeah, just kind of wait and see this weekend. Well, well, yeah, we'll hear something, um, a little bit more detail, but certainly would suck for for Schwarber folks. I mean, hitting leadoff every day and making a heck of a run at um, the non-judge division of the home run title, 34, 34 bombs, only hitting 212, which is kind of it's nuts, amazing. But Adam Dunn-esque. Yes, Adam Dunn. I like that one. Um, yeah, you just kind of hope it's minor. Uh, from a Philly side, like maybe Matt Veerling would fall into some more playing time, who's kind of mildly interesting to me in deeper leagues. Yep. He's got some power, some some speed, just not playing enough. So if it is serious with Schwarber, maybe that's someone you want to look at in the outfield. Um, but outside of that, man, like, yeah, it's it's kind of rough times in Philly right now. They, um, they have not been hitting the cover off the ball. Lately, if they don't have Schwarber, like Harper, I don't know if, when he's coming back. So that's potentially a lineup, I mean, fantasy takeaway-wise, to perhaps stream against um, these these last few weeks. Edward Cabrera got, I think, eight or nine strikeouts he, today. Yeah, he shoved today against him. Yeah, so the strikeouts are there. They have tons of power, tons of power, lots of strikeouts, though. So yep. it depends on what you want to do. That's just the streaming recipe. Um, we won't talk deep about this, but you mentioned the Phillies outfield. I just wanted to bring it up for those that are uh, listening. It sucks because I was getting close to writing up Mickey Moniak as a deep league target in waivers this week. So he's seeing home runs and playing every day for the Angels. Well, he's got a broken hand, so he's out for the rest of the year. Uh, so that sucks. But he was finally looking like he, you know, he got traded, new scenery, like he started to play good and gone. So something to keep in mind for next year. But I just wanted to mention that because he was actually starting to look good, and that sucks. Um, 
Mike Moustakis, if you stop if you heard this before, back to the IL this season. Um, you know, you got Buck Farmer, but you wrote down the takeaway that I like the most out of this is Jose Barrero. That's his new name for those that keep in track at home. His new name as of last year. Um, he's getting a call, and the boy's already shown a couple home runs this year. He's got some pop. He's interesting, Ryan. He's interesting, actually. And, yeah, that's the thing. So Farmer, Kyle Farmer is going to be the – I guess sliding over to third base. So like the, the direct replacement, but farmer played a lot of shortstop and, and him moving over to third does free it up for Jose Barrera, who I actually picked up on my main event team um, this week. I fabbed him. I just, I liked this really, I need this. I need the speed uh, more than anything else. So that was interesting to me. Um, a little bit of a desperation play like Mar- <laughs> Barrero had a 37% strikeout rate in triple a, like that is, that is terrible and so far has struck out in more than half of his plate appearances uh, in the majors. So like there is a very large batting average risk with um... the best way to learn a language immersion living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. With Barrero, but again, at this point in the season, you're just playing categories. Like if you need steals and you and you need some pop and you're okay and batting average have some cushion, like he's someone who I, I'd be fine going for just because I think like, and the Reds have really no reason not to play him either. So like they, they need to, they need to give him some run, see what they have with Barrero, but it, they're, they're, the floor is low. I will say anytime you have any kind of carry rate about 30% in AAA, that does not bode well for a transition to the majors. And, yeah. and Barrero makes that look good with that 38% K rate in AAA. That's one of the highest I've seen. And we've seen that so far this year. We talked about it with a lot of these top prospects, your Josh Lowe's, uh, your Nolan Gorman's, a lot of these guys that have high strikeout rates in the minors. It's a telltale sign for most of them when they come yep. over. You don't see a lot of yep. nice regression coming right away, it, like maybe next it, year, but not right away. The K rate does not typically improve when you go from AAA pitching to yeah. the major leagues for for obvious reasons. And that's another thing with like the Braves sending guys from AA. They always say the hardest jump is from AA to the or to the bigs, AAA or AA to AAA or whatever it is. And then it's almost similar from AAA to the bigs. So I think they're feeling like if they're crushing in AA, let's just put them up and see what happens type thing. So we'll see. Um, Max Muncie has uh, been hitting very well of late, which has been tough for me to bite my tongue and watch, but. Um, He's playing very well, and now he's out with a hand contusion. He left uh, Wednesday night's game. He's day-to-day. We'll see how that one goes. He was just starting to get going. Still too late to get value for his draft spot, but uh, he might finish with a bang for you. 
brutal, man. Because I've been like, yeah, I've been kind of the Muncie guy, and I've been I've been saying patience, 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 and seven for his last nineteen, three homers, and then and then this. So, um, I mean, I'll still contend that the skills are there for Max Muncie. Like it, 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 and and I don't know. A lot of folks say he's been playing hurt, and I I, I get that coming off the injury last season, but the hard hit skills are there. Like it's just insanely low BABIP. It's insanely bad home run luck given how hard max muncie's been hitting the ball um so just uh just a rough rough time for this to happen as he was kind of rounding into form in august so um you just hope it doesn't doesn't linger anything with hand and coming off the elbow like that's that that's starting to pile up so a little bit concerning and and speaking about the team context like we just talked about the reds having no reason to not play um farmer barrero um, the Dodgers do have reasons to kind of take it slow with Max Muncie. They've they've got things locked up out west, so yes, yes um, we'll we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, tough timing for my man. Uh, James D has a question: Could Edwin Rios return to starting? I know he's rehabbing right now, but there's even with Muncie out, they're crowded. They're still crowded. Yeah, yeah I I don't know. You don't want to. I don't want to give up on Edwin Rios. Like I still like the power there, but I there's there's too many other bodies in LA right now that uh that are playing I mean even like Joey Gallo <laughs> of all people um is starting to hit a little bit so um yeah I, I wouldn't count too much on Edwin Rios coming back and having a regular role uh, and the last bit of news I have here and there's probably other news we're gonna miss but uh Famil Reyes while you were on vacation got sent to AAA then got DFA'd the DFA thing surprised <laughs> me a bit uh but the Cubs picked him up and he got hits in his two first two games with the Cubs so are you interested in uh, maybe picking up some Fran Mel Reyes? Kind of. I wrote up, so for this week for HQ, I did a speculator article on like uh, on when the offense run scoring environment, power, envi- power environment changed this season. That was like mid-May. And then I wrote up a bunch of guys who've had their, their strikeout and barrel rates improve since that time. And Fran Mel Reyes was one of those guys. So in the suppressed run scoring environment, Fran, Fran Mel Reyes had a 6% barrel rate, 41% K rate for six weeks of the season. Since then, he's doubled the barrel rate, 12% barrels, and cut the K rate relatively, 34% strikeout rate. It's still a lot of Ks. But he's has looked a lot more like the Fran Mil Fran Mil Reyes can't talk tonight of recent seasons in the last few weeks than people give him credit for. And then on top of that, you factor in maybe a change of scenery and and who knows? Maybe he runs into one and gets hot. He's he's had that track record of being pretty good in the power department the last few years. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if Fran Mil Reyes comes back and. Um, does some things for the Cubs here down the stretch. If you need power, I mean, there's nobody available in your leagues with the power upside of Fran Will Reyes. Um, the, the batting average is probably still going to be pretty rough, but um, I think I think he's a decent pickup if you have that cushion. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I think there's some interesting things to like about him. That's the best way I can put it, but um, as long as he can cut back on the that. The DFA thing was weird. Like I, I thought he got traded because like, I, I yeah. just noticed he was on a new team and I was gone. I was like, well, who'd they get for him? And, but, yeah, you know, that's why I tweeted that, That's DFA. why. I, yeah, I tweeted out. I'm like, I get this and then with AAA to get his mind right or whatever. Sure. But he played like one game in AAA and they DFA'd him. I'm like, what's really going on here? There's something going on behind the scenes we do not know about. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Someone, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to. They did bring back how during COVID times he was never following the rules and kept getting into trouble. So maybe there's some something there. I remember that, uh, him and 
him and the guardians just weren't seeing eye to eye on things. So, uh, yeah, see how that goes. All right, Ryan, I'm going to give you the floor again because you're Ian Anderson got the job done, but, uh, our weekly game, another split week. That's the best way I can put it. So, uh, yeah, you you got me right now. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So score on the on the on the on the season. We're we're tied six six. You've been dominating the hitters. So and again, for for new listeners or just a recap, like we're picking one hitter, one pitcher every week that is less than fifty percent rostered in twelve teamers in online championships for NFBC hitters. Just totaling runs rbis and hits pitchers strikeouts and so um you had a really great pick last 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 week two weeks ago with with palante eight strikeouts but but my man got nine so i took that i picked kevin biggio and that was a disaster your awesome slater took me four to one yeah and, and that was, i think really slater only played one game like only played one yeah. game <laughs> yeah it did not take much for to to, to be busy i had steven kwan the week before with 18 you runs rushed rubies and hits and then uh that's still more than the rest of my other picks yeah. combined all season. So. Yeah, it's impressive. It's very impressive. But uh, yeah, I was bummed because I I was busy and I didn't even see what Ian Anderson did. I just figured he got crushed because that's what was going on. <laughs> and um, Joe G, it's a fair like, assumption. Yeah, it was just and well, especially when Joe G, a good listener of the show, in front of the mm-hmm. show, he messages me and like Falante is just crushing through like five innings and striking guys out. So of course, dummy me doesn't even look. Just attaches Ryan to this. Go, hey, I was just looking for you. And then Ryan says something, so I go back to my phone. I'm like, ah, shit. Okay. Well, that's not gonna go very well. And then he comes up one short. I thought with nine, there was no way I was getting close. The fact he struck out eight makes it almost worse. In this yeah, situation, I that. like you, you got all yeah. excited, you were. Oh, yeah, I, I had no idea. I just figured Anderson got crushed. I'm like, there's no way. I think I just wrote, he's no Ian Anderson. And yes, exactly what you wrote. And I'm like, okay. what's that mean? I got to go look now. I'm like, oh, darn it. I'm so, proud yeah, of that but, one. Yeah, that was good. That was good. So, yeah, you're crushing me in the pitching. I'm getting you in the hitting. And now we got another fun week ahead of us here. So, I'll give you the floor. Do you want to start with your boy or do you want to start with the bats? Um, yeah, I'll, 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 we'll just finish out the pitching side. So just going with Ian Anderson again, um, just because a, you sniped me with your pick right before the show started. And, and I did not want to go back in that well, because <laughs> the pitching options this weekend were, were really bad to the point where, yeah, we were thinking of taking like a reliever who might throw on Friday and then throw again on on Sunday and especially like I am. And what I'm trying to do is look against like streamable opponents. And that's really why I went with Ian Anderson. Cause it's Miami. Um, all of the kind of like really bad teams. Um, it's just, it's, it's the, the, the they're going to get crushed even more this weekend. So like your pirates, your nationals um, all have really hard pitching um, on guys that are well over 50% rostered. So I'm going Ian Anderson and in hopes of recapturing that magic against a, uh, a pretty weak Miami lineup here. Yeah. The uh, guy sniped you on because I literally went through all the options for starters and there was not much that was appetizing. And for those that aren't sure or don't remember, we're using uh, OCs, 12 teams and FBC 50% rostered or less. So um, in your uh, yahoos and, and others, there might be better options, but in this format, they're not. So I went with Dane Dunning, pitching against the Seattle Mariners, faced him three starts ago, struck out five, coming off a 6K outing against the White Sox. Uh, he usually goes five-plus, if not six-plus in most starts, which gives me a higher likelihood of getting you know, four, five, six strikeouts is what I'm looking for. Um, I pray Ian Anderson doesn't find the you know fountain of youth again, his lucky rabbit shoe for the second time. 
But, uh, you know, the Mariners scare me, too, because Julio's supposed to be back this weekend, which is never good. And they're just a feisty bunch right now. So we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, but I'll, I'm going Dane Dunning and just crossing my fingers. I didn't get you get me like five or six innings and close to a K per inning because it's 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 ugly in the streets this weekend, as the kids would say. So yeah, that's where yep. I'm going. And I think streaming against Seattle's fine, like you said, with with J Rod back and like thank God he's back. Like that, that's just that's awesome to see him back in leadoff and and help them make that playoff run. But like that lineup really hasn't been that great lately. So um, I, I get it; it makes sense. All right, who you got for your bat this week? So this week I decided to go with uh, late night Lamont. I don't know if I, I mean maybe that's a last year nickname. I don't know how how good he's been. He's barely Memphis. been in the lineup because he's always hurt this year. Lamont is what it usually is. Yeah, so I, I I did take Lamont Wade just because I really like the matchup. So one of the easier matchups, the second easiest matchup this weekend uh, for for any team according to the HQ tool is uh, San Francisco going against three Pittsburgh righties. And it's all three Pittsburgh bad righties. Bryce Wilson, Tyler Beatty, who I always have a soft spot for, but I don't know how long he's going to go. That could be a bullpen game. And then uh, Zach Thompson on Sunday. So um, all three righties, I think Wade's going to be in there, maybe hitting like third each game. And you can't ask for much more than that. So uh, Lamont Wade's my pick this weekend. Yeah, I don't mind it. If you get righties like that, hopefully leading off, you can make some noise. I'm going with Emmanuel Rivera. And for those that are asking who is Emmanuel Rivera, well, he's 1% owned in NFBC OCs, came over from the Royals in a trade, and he has hit safely in five straight games uh, since coming over there. And today had a monster game uh, going three for five with two doubles and a home run. He's hitting second uh, today. He's usually hitting sixth or seventh in the lineups. I'm hoping with this consistent production, they keep him at the top of the order. And most importantly, he's playing in Coors Field this weekend yep. against um, the wonderful arms of Sensatella, Urania, and Feltner. So my I'm man, taking my Brian yeah, Feltner. I you know every time I see his name, I cannot not think of you. It makes me laugh. That's what this game does to us. We pick bad pitchers because we have no choices. Now every time I see Ryan Feltner, I'm like, hey, it's Bloomfield's guy. And <laughs> so here we Ian are. Anderson. Yeah, now it's Ian Anderson. But, um, yeah, so I'm going with um, Emmanuel Rivera, and he's even a guy that I'm going to be interested in this weekend in, in leagues because he's got some pop in that bat. They're playing him every day. He could be an interesting move as well. But for this weekend, in Coors Field, 4-3, give me Emmanuel Rivera. Yep, I like it. Good, great matchup, great park. Arizona has the fourth easiest uh, matchup rating per HQ this weekend. Actually, the 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 White Sox have yeah, the, the easiest. They've got they've got and maybe just the names in lineup or whatever. Uh, but they face Daniel Norris, Matt Manning, and um, uh, Tyler Alexander. So, like, if you're looking to stream guys this weekend, pick up any and all White Sox. I know we just at the top talked about and so so like this would be a great time if you're in a daily league or you can make those moves right now. Um, Maybe I should have picked him, but um, but that that that's a good good matchup this week. You've got I think there's yeah so there's a doubleheader Atlanta Miami. So yep. those two teams get four games, and then I think the Cubs yeah because the field of Cubs and Reds only play game, two. They only get two. So like that stuff matters uh, in NFBC formats and daily leagues. Like you're getting twice as many games from Atlanta Miami that you are Chicago and Cincinnati. So keep that in mind and just keep. Keep going at it with these uh, bi-weekly and daily lineups because that stuff does add up even over these last few weeks. Yeah, yeah, that. And uh, you mentioned the the top options here. 
be a little wary if you have Pittsburgh versus the Giants, Philadelphia versus the Mets, because it's going to be a thing now with oh, their guys the getting Mets. healthy in New York. Yeah. It's uh, it's murderers row at least one series a week. Just hope you're not getting that one. But it's Scherzer to Grom and Bassett. So T's and P's yeah. to your guys. Um, that's a fun one. So those two are are rough. And then you also have uh, Baltimore versus Tampa Bay, which I'm I kind of don't agree with, but I, I get it because Baltimore has been better than people give them credit for. But Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. So okay. And just from and a Detroit real baseball, before. like that, that's the big series, I think, this weekend, right? That's gotta be. Yep. Um, there's a lot of like, yeah, there's a With lot of Boston, New York, which matchup. always gets fun, but yeah, yeah, for playoff wise, you are correct. Yes. Yeah, for playoff wise, like that, that's 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 a big series. Um, because there's a lot of teams that AL wild cards getting crowded. So it's gonna be tough for, for Baltimore Ooh. with Kluber, McClanahan, Rasmussen, but there's another big series though, another big one. Milwaukee at St. Louis. Well, that's got some playoff ramifications right there. So, yeah, those will be your two series this week in Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Milwaukee, St. Louis. That's uh, Milwaukee and St. Louis might both be in the playoffs, but they're fighting for the division so they don't have to play in the wild card, basically. So, that can make I did love, by the way, how because I'm looking at the um, probables this weekend and Jordan Montgomery is, is going Friday. I just thought it was poetic justice that Montgomery's last start was against the Yankees and the Yankees he did won not one score to nothing. and he actually yeah, he, won. <laughs> he won without getting runs because the Yankees scored less. Yes. yes. It, was, yeah. it was beautiful. And now my bold prediction that he ends the year at 10 wins might actually be possible. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> like He'd have to be perfect basically the rest of the way, but it'd be very, very yeah, funny. I don't, know. I, don't, I don't know about that. Was, it was is a, he only at four? Or? I think he's only at four, yeah. it's He's going to have to literally be perfect the rest of the way. So That was a weird we'll trade. Yeah, very weird. All right, bloom board time. Let's have some more fun with this. Um, it's that time of the year. As we were talking before the show, I said it's tough to get a bloom board that kind of you know is super relevant for the next week or two, but there's always stuff we can talk about for fantasy purposes. And so Ryan's got another awesome one for us to look at. So the floor is yours to explain what we are seeing here. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of toe the line between usefulness for the rest of this season, but also kind of trying to, I don't know, start looking towards 2023. And so what I wanted to do with this one is look at change in approach um, for hitters. Which hitters have changed their approach the most from 2021 to 2022? And a change in approach doesn't always mean a good thing. So, and is it working or not for some of these guys? Um, So what I did, and you can define approach um, in quotes very differently. What I took was just, I took the difference in strikeout rate and fly ball rate. How often are you striking out? How, what's your launch angle? How many fly balls are you hitting? And kind of added those two up and, and totaled them up to get kind of that biggest difference for how a hitter changes their approach. There are many other ways. Like for this one, I just want to kind of keep it simple and, and go with two metrics that I think everyone knows. But you could go a little bit deeper. I know like you and Toby talk a lot about plate discipline metrics and chase rate and and in zone contact and swing percentage. Like I, I could have easily gone like different biggest changes in chase rate and swing percentage or something and kind of go a little bit deeper. But for this one, I just wanted to focus on like which guys are maybe selling out for power by striking out more, but hitting more fly balls and that sort of thing. So um, that's what I wanted to, to bring up. Got an interesting list of like 15, 20 names here that uh, I think are are worth chatting about. Certainly the ones that uh, that were really where it's working or not. So yeah, strikeout rate, fly ball rate, biggest changers. So big list. I like it. And it makes a lot of sense when you really dig in because 
the funny thing is a lot of this list is like we, you say it a lot we say it a lot that there's certain guys like tim anderson you just set it and forget it you don't pay attention there's a lot of guys in this list i guarantee people have just set and forgot and if you said jake cronenworth only hitting 241 right now you'd probably be called a liar but you're right and because i even thought he i knew he wasn't like lighting the world on fire like last year but i didn't think he was this bad and I looked into him the other day because I was like, whoa, this is weird because it feels like he's still being productive, but he's not really. Um, he's hitting 241 in the year with 11 homers, twenty almost 20% K rate, which is like 5% higher than, than the norm, 5 6%. Um, and he's walking a bit more, but not crazy more. But you mentioned that the increase in K rate, 6% from 21 to 20 – or no, yeah, 6% from 21 to 22 but the fly ball rate also went up 16%. So it's yeah. that old adage, like you said, is he, you know, chasing more to pop up more? What's he doing? So uh, what are your thoughts on Cronenworth? Because if he's not hitting for average, power is never like his forte, even though he had a one big power year. This is really going to put a damper on things. Yeah. And, and, the, and, the, and this is, this is why I like talking about this stuff. Cause like, it's kind of layers to the onion that you peel it back. So like, sometimes you do want your hitter to hit more fly balls. Like if they have power, but like a Jake Cronenworth going to a 49% fly ball rate, he doesn't have the power to make that work. Like a 5% barrel rate. Like he just does not hit the ball hard enough to hit the ball 49% of the time in the air. Like those are falling in for outs far more often than, than not. And so for someone with his power profile, like that's not going to work. And so we don't know with some of these guys, is it a measured thing to go for more launch angle? Is it just kind of a weird season, that sort of thing? We don't really know. I mean, we can kind of, we can go back, read through articles and see if we have any quotes and that sort of thing. But um, when I see someone without much power hitting the ball in the air 50% of the time and striking out 6% more than last season, like I get really concerned for Cronenworth the rest of this season and going forward. Like he's really going to have to undo what he did this season and, and kind of have that lower launch angle to, to, to buoy that batting average. So um, not good stuff from um, Cronenworth. Not too many, not too many balls flying in the, in the Crone zone this year. Yeah. This is not rake Cronenworth this year. This is not good. This is a broken rake Cronenworth. So uh, we have to work on that with, uh, with Jake. Cause I was, I'm a big Jake fan, but it's been rough, rough going these, this year. Now uh, let's get this one over with because I'm people should know by now how I feel about Alec Baum. I think he's, um, I don't know if overrate is the right word, but he's hitting 293 this year. He's, he's starting to play well. I can admit he's playing well. I will say that much. But he's hitting 293. The K rate has dropped from 27 to 19% over the last two years. Fly ball rate 23 to 29. So the average has gone up almost like 45 points from last year. But for me, the power still isn't like elite, elite, as we'd ex- people were trying to expect from him. And when you look at like the max EVs, the barrel rates, the hard hit rates, they're the same as last year, except the hard hit rates down like 7%. So like, there's still some concerning things. When I see Alec Baum, like he's hitting for average, which is great, but I think we were hoping for power with Alec Baum and I'm not sure what's going on here. So what are you thinking? Yeah. Um, so I'm a little more optimistic than you. Uh, I know you're, you're not, you're not a bomb hater. I gotta, but, I gotta but, keep but... my, I gotta stand my ground, <laughs> but yes, I understand. So here's, here's the case I'll make with Alec Boom. A, like the age 25 years old, like this 100%. is the kind of growth you want to see from someone in their third i guess third full major league season so like from that aspect yes you love to see the drop in case you like to see the um the the increase in launch angle the other thing that i'll say with alec bohm and steven nick Grant put this out this is actually a free article on hq um this week bohm was the head um the, he- the headliner for july's most skilled hitters and so like 
Boehm's in-season power has gotten a lot better. And I know we're talking small samples, but like May and June, you're right. Like Alec Boehm did not hit for much power at all. Two home runs total in those two months. He's hit four since July 1st with a lot harder contact um, in these last two months. So I do take something, and maybe that's just, again, maybe that's variance. I mean, that that's the fun of this game. We don't really know for sure. But you take that lower K rate at his age with the higher launching and a little bit more power these summer months, like I'm starting to get more and more interested in, in, in Bo. Yeah, no. And I was trying to ignore that factor. Cause I'm, I, I agree with you. Like he's <laughs> look, he's looked a lot better. I'm just trying to keep my shtick in play from earlier in the season. Um, he's a guy that I will be more interested in next year. I, I really will be. Cause I like what we've seen this last like month or so. I think there's something there. And even if he can, if he can improve again next year from like, He's gone 23 to 29% fly ball. Now can he creep to like 35% fly ball? That could be a massive difference in home runs. Like, I know it doesn't sound like a big percentage, but for a guy that does hit the ball as hard as he does, that was like the biggest thing when he first got called up. His minor league stat cast numbers were ridiculous. And he kind of showcased that a bit when he first got called up, but it wasn't consistent. Now he's hitting for average, which means, okay, get back to that profile and we might have something here. So I'll be intrigued to see. How and that I, keeps I think he'll still be pretty cheap next season. Like I know we've, we've got all this time to analyze and that, that sort of thing. But like you look at the year long line for Alec Boehm, 293, which is good, but just eight home runs and 382 yeah. at bats. Like that doesn't look that great on the surface. But I, I, like I said, for the reasons I just kind of laid out, there's been some in-season gains that I think are worth looking at for someone uh, entering his, his prime years. 100% agree. Uh, prime years might be gone for Javi Baez. I'm not sure. Uh, this has been a tough one for me to swallow this year. He did hit his 11th home run of the year today, so that was kind of rewarding in a weird way. But um, it's a weird profile because everyone's always saying, oh, he swings and misses too much. He chases too much. Well, he's striking out 84% of the time this year compared to 34% last year. Like It's the lowest K rate he's had since 2016, but he's only hitting 218 with 10 home, 11 home runs now. Like It's it's been brutal, Ryan, and um, – I haven't dropped them when I probably should have by now because it's just not happening. But it's it's been a rough go at a fifty almost three percent ground ball rate this year. It's it's been brutal. It's been brutal and like yeah, just weird. Like this is one where I just kind of write off to like something fluky because you. I mean, you take that kind of deeper dive. You look at the chase rate for Javi Baez, who has always chased uh, way too much career high 47 percent chase rate for javi bias so he's actually just he's making more contact when he does swing but the approach itself is still just as wild as ever and then on top of that like yeah the fly ball rate is just is just so low 32 percent fly ball rate this season that's why he only has 11 home runs but then the big thing is just he, he's not running at all he's only attempted five stolen bases you rostered javi bias hoping to get 20 knowing that like a 220 batting average was in play it turns out that is what happened but you got that 220 batting average without the 20 steals and um, that's just really tough to swallow and like you said Bob, the, the 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 lack of power i mean 34 home runs 2018 2019 29 homers 30 homers last year to go from that level of power production that you built around to 11 is is really tough it's very, very tough. So, yeah, we'll see what happens in that one. Um, let's talk uh, Randall Gritchick. His name was mentioned by a lot of comments, so let's talk about him for a second here. We broke him down, well, before after we got traded. We were very excited. And then, I forget which bloom board it was, but it was showcasing the kind of underperforming nature of Randall Gritchick. 
he has played much better since that conversation. I know that for a fact. He's hitting 266 with 12 homers. And then if you look at the changes he's made, 21% K rate in 21, 24% this year. So he went up 3%. And his fly ball rate dropped 43% to 34 So he struck out more with fewer fly balls. It's almost the opposite of what we usually see. So it, that maybe that explains where the home runs are, but uh, his batting average is almost back to the norm now. So it's an interesting year for Gritchick. Yeah, and that I mean that's the trade-off with like these fly ball races. Like in Gritchick, he's a guy where I don't I don't really want to see this change in approach to go all the way down to like a 34% fly ball rate. I mean, this guy's lived throughout his whole career in the mid 40s. And the hope, and we've talked about this, like you said in previous pods, but the hope was that you would keep that power with Gritchick. And then Coors Field would supply a little bit of a batting average boost because it's a great batting average park. And yes, the batting average has been there. You're right. Uh, but it's come at the expense of his power. Like 12 homers and 350 at-bats is, is really bad. And it's it's pretty much all because of the fly ball, ground ball. Uh, 52% ground ball. Like he, Randall Gritchick does not need to be hitting the ball on the ground 52% of the time. That needs yeah. to be totally flipped. And I'm not sure, again... Not sure if this is a calculated move by Gritchick to just put the ball in play more and get on base in that huge cavernous course field. But from a fantasy standpoint, I certainly want this to revert back to what we saw in 2021, where he's hitting that fly ball rate in the in the low to mid 40s. And then obviously before that in his career, when he was one of the top power guys um, in deeper leagues. No doubt about it. I think he'll be another. I know I keep saying it, and I'll, I'm going to get. I'm going to say it for the next every podcast we do. Is I'll, I'll mention 2023 because that's the reality. But he'll be an interesting one to look into some more. Really will yeah. be because can he revert back to that fly ball guy like you said? Kind of drop the the the, the uh, ground ball rate that could do wonders in that ballpark. Um, Christian Walker is an interesting case this year because I mentioned a long time ago I drafted him everywhere last year. Disappointing. Didn't really take him this year. He's got 26 home runs, but he's only hitting 212, which is a, a, a downside. But he's lowered his K rate from 24% to 19%. Fly ball rate goes up from 39 to 46. And if you're an ex-stat believer, and I know it's a controversial thing to say, the dude is quote-unquote underachieving right now. Getting unlucky, people might say, because his barrel rate's great, his hard hit rate's great. Like He's in a very interesting case, Ryan. He is. And even with like, and so it's always easy to say like lowest BABIP of his career, like 200. I think it's right around 200. Buck 99. Uh, yep. 199. Like that is, that that's bad. Um, some of that is because of the fly ball rate, right? Like this is, I mean, semi-basic stuff, but the more balls that you hit in the air, your BABIP's going to suffer uh, just because fly balls are the worst type of, of ball to hit. Uh, for batting average so like that's the trade-off christian walker's making like you said it's something i can totally live with because you are getting somebody who's going to approach 35 home runs with this type of power the interesting thing with walker is like you said the 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 jump and fly ball rate but he's not totally selling out for it like the strikeouts have actually gone down and that's that's what you really like to see so like we're projecting at HQ for Walker to finish or sorry, to hit 256 the rest of the season. And I I'm on board with that just with the, with the lower K rate with the amount of power that he's hitting for. I, I think he's still been unlucky in the batting average department, maybe more of like a 240 hitter. And if you've got like a 240 hitter with 35 home runs, that's someone who's really interesting to me. 
Yeah, I think because like his XBA is 251 on the year, so 256 is very yeah. doable for what he's doing. Um, I, I love what I'm seeing from him. And like you said, the biggest thing that stands out to me is the fact he's elevating the ball more with fewer strikeouts. That's usually not the trade-off you see. It's yep. not, so like that's a very positive thing to see, especially for a guy that hits the ball as hard as he does. So I'm liking what we're seeing from Christian Walker. Let's hope that continues on. I want to mention Glaber Torres here. This one is another interesting one. Changed his K rate from 20 to 21%, but the fly ball rate went from 36 to 50 percent half of his balls 50 percent like this is selling out but in reality hit 259 last year he's only hitting 252 this year not bad um 16 home runs this year and only five steals compared to nine home runs and 14 steals last year so he flipped his home runs the steals basically and is literally flying fly balls half of your at bats is pretty wild right yeah, like first off, I'll never, I'll still never be able to explain 14 stolen bases last season from from Glaber Torres. Like this is one of the weirder career paths that we've seen. Like Glaber Torres' first two seasons, he was he was he was a beast. Hit over 270 each season, 24 bombs as a rookie, 38 in his sophomore season, then just has fallen flat. Um, yeah, man, massive jump in fly ball rate. Like that has to be the biggest, one of the biggest. Maybe David Peralta is the biggest. Um, cause he's at the top of the board um, with the K rate. But I, I think, honestly, I think Labor Torres has gotten very lucky, very fortunate to hit 252 when you're hitting the ball in the air 50% of the time. And like Yankee Stadium, really, it, it, we think of it as a great park for home runs, and it is, but not as much from the right side. So, like, um, Glaber, you got to get that down a little bit. Like that, he's a, I think, a, a pretty major batting average risk if um, he keeps hitting the ball fifty percent of the time. And 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 he's not, you're not seeing the power rewards from it. Like sixteen homers is okay um, in four hundred plate appearances, but not when you're totally selling out for the power. So I, I'm not liking this from from Glaber. Yeah, that's why I want to bring his up. His is a pretty dramatic one without the dramatic results. And so yeah, that's that's a bit concerning. Um, I just want to highlight, we don't have to go deep into these, like J-Ram, we know he's awesome, but he's only striking out 9% of the time compared to 14% while he's flying out 52% of the time, which is nuts to think about. Still hitting 283. Like if he even, if he brought that back down to the 45% last year, he'd probably be a 300 hitter again. Like that's how crazy that is uh, or something closer to that. So he's interesting. Um, what other guys stand out to you before we move on to some listener questions? Because there are some fun names on this list that some of it makes sense, but some of it you're like, huh, interesting. Didn't, didn't see that. Like Max Kepler lowering his fly ball was a little bit of a standout for me as well. Yeah, that was a standout. The the, the, the biggest one, the one I want to talk about is um, is Matt Olson. Okay. So Matt Olson, out of, out of all major league hitters last season, Matt Olson had the biggest improvement in strikeout rate from 2020 to 2021 Matt Olson had a 31% K rate in the COVID year dropped that to 17%. That is a massive improvement in contact. Like uh, I can't understate how big that is. The problem with that. And I've said this a few times on the pod is that like skills can fluctuate just like roles. So there was a lot of, and it's easy to fall in this trap to say, Okay, Matt Olson improved his K rate. He's suddenly going to hit what he hit. What did he hit last year? 271. He's suddenly a 270 hitter now because he cut his K rate almost in half last season. That's not really how it works because Matt Olson, 
Um, I mean, regression hits skills just like it hits stats. So, like, Matt Olson wasn't going to be under a 20% K rate again. Like, the odds of that happening were very low. And sure enough, like, he's back up to 25%. So, not as bad as, like, 2020, uh, but certainly nowhere near what he was in 2021. So, like, kind of long story short is I don't even know if this is a change in approach with Matt Olson or this is just regression. He's always been maybe a mid-20s K rate guy and just got super lucky with the contact last season. And that just kind of reverted back to normal this season. So um, that was one who I thought was really interesting just to see that K rate go from way up from 31% down to 17, then back to 24%. You don't really see that too often from guys. And the results this year, like have been okay. Like I, I know one of the, um, one of the responders on Twitter was a little frustrated with Olsen. Like I took Olsen in the third round of my main event. Um, I thought that lineup with that park was just perfect for him hitting 250 with 20 homers, 70 RBI. Like that's, it's not great, but it's not a killer either. No, he's not crushing, especially this era where 248 is pretty darn solid. So yeah. I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. I will bring up one other guy just real quickly that, um, it's interesting because Ian Happ is a guy most people drafted for power. Well, he has nine home runs, but he's hitting 276, which is the best of his career. And I think a lot of that's, you know, the strikeout rate 29 to 23%, but more importantly, the fly ball rate 33 to 29%. So he's putting the ball on the ground, or at least not flying out as often as he was before. And the barrel rate has dropped a bit as well, which could correlate to the fewer balls elevated compared to probably more on the ground. So uh, we're seeing a better batting average for me and half, but not so much the power department, which makes another interesting conundrum when we link, look in the Ian Happ at another date and time. Yeah, and the thing with Happ, and that, that's a great call out because this is someone barrel rate every season of his career has been right around twelve percent, and all of a sudden seven percent. And then, like you said, Bubba, you 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 tack on the the change in approach from, from from a contact standpoint with the K rate. Like, yeah, I think this is something that Ian Happ is intending to do. Now, do I like it? I don't know. Like you, you've lost a lot of power, but you've also gained 50 points in batting average. I think this could really work if Ian Happ ran more. Um, I think if you get on base more often, lead off Ian Happ has always had a really good walk rate. If Ian Happ gets a green light, starts running more, this approach can really work. You've got someone who maybe goes 15 homers with like 25 steals and a good batting average, uh, but he has to get that green light. He's only gone six for nine on the base pass this year. So, um, interesting to see that change from Ian Happ and makes it like almost impossible to project him for next mm -hmm. year. Uh, but I guess we'll worry about that this off season, but that's a good call out as someone to, uh, to see where like, yeah, the barrel rates totally drop, but you kind of balance that with the strikeout rate and the lower, uh, the lower launch angle. So that's an interesting one. Yeah. Because a lot of these guys like Cronenworth, who we started with Hap, a bunch of these guys, you kind of look at it and go, especially like Hap, for instance, that's why I wanted to talk about him is, in the end, you would take 276 all day from him, but you didn't draft him for that. You drafted him yeah. for power. So yep. when you're constructing your team, you know, some guys have their charts out. You had have Roto Lab or whatever, and they're calculating these numbers, and you think you're at this power number, and now he's 15 home runs short. And when you look back on the season and wonder what went wrong, well, you weren't going to know he was changing his approach like this. And we could easily, like you said, it's going to be tough to evaluate because – no one would be shocked if he flips it back again and he has 25 home runs next year and hits 240. So it's like, that's the hard part about this game. And that's why it's, the fun it's fun. part. It's the hard fun. Yes. I, I agree. It's both. It is both. It's a, it's a love hate relationship, but it's, um, it's what makes it fun is when you dig in and 
you didn't basically what I'm trying to say is you didn't make bad picks all the time. You just like I said, I had tons of Christian Walker last year because I believed in X, Y, and Z. Well, he's doing a lot of that this year, and I just didn't stick with it. It's just kind of a mm -hmm. it's a fun game we play. Fun game we play. And the other thing too, like before we kind of put the put the put the bow on this one is like keep these names in mind. Like tuck this away for your offseason research and see like see if you can find quotes from some of these players on did they did they meaningfully change how they approach the plate that can kind of that can guide you and at least give you a little bit more um certainty as to whether this new approach is going to stick or not because you're right bubba like you said it's important like ian hap on the surface from like a roto dollar value could be very similar to what he had last season it's just that the, the production from a category standpoint is wildly different and that does have a pretty big impact on your roster construction so yeah the, the, these would be a bunch of guys i'd love to dig in on and it's like a broken record but the one of the best things about these bloom boards like you said it's, it's like peeling an onion back it brings something to highlight to dig into more to when you dig in more all of a sudden you start noticing other players around those guys are like oh wait a minute that guy too and that so it's a it's not just the numbers that are on the board it's to start to look into a deeper dive. So, yeah, this is a good one to bookmark, like you said, to uh, kind of dig in. Because even the names we didn't discuss, there's some interesting relevance to some of these guys that are – Patrick Wisdom, I want to do a lot of research on in the yep. offseason. Trevor, Trevor Story, another one. Yeah, Wisdom has improved his K rate almost every month this year. And that is going to be tremendous if he can pull that one off. So, we'll see. I'm still not locked and sold on him, but that's another guy. But, okay, Bo on the bloom board let's take a couple listener questions most of them are just kind of comments about the board so we don't have a lot of questions to uh hit up on here but um do 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 let's see it's first one uh nick bird asks who are your favorite dynasty buy lows before league trade trade deadlines so I'll, I'll drop a couple names, but like the, the, the thing I wanted, I wrote about this a couple weeks ago at HQ is in dynasty leagues, one thing, and at, I, I'm not in a dynasty league this season, but I have been in a few years before that. One thing I always like to look at, not just from, and I, and I, I'll admit, I'm not a prospect guy. Like I'm not going to spew out prospect names because I don't know what I'm really talking about. But one thing you can definitely look at for trades down the stretch here are the starting pitchers who are going to get slowed down or shut down in September. Like okay. that's what you need to, if, if you like, for example, a Spencer Strider, um, if you like Jeffrey Springs, who from like a dynasty standpoint, the rest of the season, it probably isn't going to throw many more innings for the Rays. If you like, um, I don't know, Tony Gonsolin, who you're kind of buying high on given the, the surface stats, but someone who will probably get slowed down the rest of the season. I think if you enter trade negotiations from that aspect and say, hey, you've got this pitcher, you're in the hunt, you know, second place manager. You've got this guy, Strider, who is not going to pitch more than five innings in a starter or whatever, whatever case you want to make. Um, I think that's where you can get major league ready pitching at a not not at a discount but as someone for 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 next season so target guys who are at their innings limits over their innings limits and and due to be shut down or slow down in september because those guys have no value for anyone right now who's in the hunt but could have a ton of value for you next season i 100 percent agree with that and i'm going to do a lazy shameless plug right now is i had eric cross and chris clegg on a few weeks ago from the fantasy tool shed and they're very good prospect people and that is exactly one question I asked them 
was who are some guys you'd be looking to add in trades towards the end of the season. And they each named a couple guys. So shameless plug. I forget who they were, but I know for a fact I asked them that question. So I recommend if you just want to fast forward like the last 20 yes. minutes, go for it. But and it's I, in it's yeah. in the back end. I, I defer all prospect information to, uh, yeah. to not only those two guys, but your James, James Anderson, Anderson your Chris Blessings. Like yeah. th- those are the guys you want to hit up for for prospect yeah. names. But just from like a major league talent level thing, that's that's something that I've always done in the past. That has worked pretty good. Is is kind of kind of go after those September shutdown guys. Yep, I 100% agree with that one. Uh, next up on the docket, we have here. Uh, John Dobo asks, is Newt Bar, Lars that is, looking like a player for 2023 or is he on a heater? It's kind of a mixed bag, Ryan. Like he's he's decent. He's got, no, he's, there's some hype behind him. He's hitting very well right now. The Cardinals always have a lot of mouths to feed. Given they got rid of Bader, that's nice. But, you know, Yepes will be back. That might cut in the Newt Bar. There's a lot going on still in St. Louis. So it's a tough, that's a tough one to answer right now, the way they run things. Yeah, it's, it's really tough, John. Um, like yeah just trying to project that roster for next season yeah it's going to come down to playing time i mean i will say like st louis does their actions say that they believe in new bar i mean he's like leading off and and playing pretty much every day like you said they traded bader so maybe there is something there and new bar like he's kind of developing like a post hype guy he's 24 but has failed a couple times in in the majors but every skill that that i see on the board from him i have not watched him much um, I'll admit, but the skills look really good on paper. So um, it's kind of like I'm going to punt and and see how these last four to six weeks go uh, because uh, I don't know. Every sign every sign says that St. Louis is is interested in playing him. So let's see how he see what he makes of this opportunity. Yeah, I'm with you. He's talented enough. You just never know what they're going to do. Uh, Matt at No Pepper Games, and if that's a good one if you're an old school baseball person. No Pepper Games, I like yeah, that a lot. I, I, uh, that's, that's a good, good. one. Um, is it possible that we're underappreciating Jose Ramirez still? How long can he continue to be elite and get even less attention than Trout? And this is kind of looking at the Bloom board. Like I said, he's nine percent. That's like Tony Gwynn stuff, which he's doing right now. With that, like it's it's pretty wild. I don't know. I think he gets really good respect. I get what he's saying though. Is it doesn't help you plays for Cleveland. Doesn't help he plays for Cleveland. It doesn't help he had like a pretty bad. I think what I think it was twenty nineteen, and yeah. then like half the first of half I think twenty eighteen, yeah. something like that. He had a really bad stretch, like in his prime. I think that soured people. Uh, that's just my guess. But like outside, honestly, outside of Trey Turner, can you name someone who has had more? fantasy production in recent seasons than Jose Ramirez. Like you could make a, I think a very strong case for J Ram as the number two, number three pick. Maybe if you go like Otani next season, uh, you throw that in that mix with Trey Turner, but like from a, from a pure hitting standpoint, this is, I mean, HQ like dollar values can, can vary a lot, but we've got Jose Ramirez, $40 player in 2018. $40 Forty dollars in twenty twenty, thirty six dollars last year, thirty seven dollars last year. You you or this year, sorry. You you do not get that uh, production very often. So um, yes, an ode to Jose Ramirez. Yes, he's awesome. And you know, I got a lot of things wrong this year. I will be the first to admit that. And I plan on actually writing stuff about that this this off season to kind of let people know, hey, it's not all you know fluff. 
the one thing I got right is my top two guys in every draft conversation I ever said was Trey Turner and Trey Jay Turner. Those are my top two picks every time. And I'm like, I was just so convinced of that consistency that they bring. Barring injuries, you can't predict injuries. But I knew if those guys played, they're amazing. Five category studs. So, and I'll probably go back to battle with them next year. Like until they prove to me they can't hit, it's like, lock me in five categories. Let's do it. So, yeah, like that one a lot. John Dobos, he had another comment though on this one when the board came out. So Gritchick is okay again. Was a tough first half of the year. So that's a comment because he he's a regular listener, so he knows how we kind of we've had the up and down roller coaster with Gritchick. Um, Dynasty Junkie uh, has a comment. Jose Ramirez trying to hit all the dingers. Yeah, when he goes to fifty two percent fly ball rate, that's pretty wild. Uh, Gaman Eight says. Will Riley Green be an everyday starter for fantasy leagues rest of the season or better to stream in his spot? Well, Ryan, I've actually written about the demise of Riley Green in recent articles because it's been brutal. I think he's a streamer right now unless you're in a deep league because it's not pretty. Yeah, I look at the – I'm really with these young guys. I look at the plate skills and where those plate skills are trending. And when I say plate skills, I look at the walk rate and the strikeout rate, like simple stuff. And for Riley Green, it started out okay, but it has gotten bad over this last month. Uh, like a four percent walk rate, the K rate K rate is way up. He's 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 a streamer in fifteens, definitely. Like I don't think uh, I don't think I can count on him. So and like you said, you, you you're probably on board with that. So yeah, hundred percent. Like I I do a risers and fallers column somewhere and uh, yeah, frozen. And I've mentioned him, and it sucks because I liked him a lot. He, the, the the minor league numbers are great. I don't know if the injury slowed him down for the production or what it was, but might be another year or so before we see the real Riley Green. And that, um, and I'm glad you said it at the end because that's the one thing I want to hammer home. Like this really does doesn't do much for me to change his long term outlook. Like no, still, dude's still, still just 21 years old. Yeah. Like this is his first time facing major league pitching. I still think very highly of him, but for the rest yep. of this season, uh, it's tough. Yeah, he's probably still very, very good. Um, we're gonna I'm gonna say this question, but I'm gonna challenge Alan to something in a minute. Alan Daily and Artist says if you, <laughs> draft, this one? Yeah. Yeah, if you were drafted a fantasy bird league team, who are your bird value picks in rounds five through eight? Please note this bird lead is flight only, so he's a, he doesn't like penguins apparently or or flamingos, uh, I guess. Yeah, but uh Alan, we can do this draft live at, at uh, first pitch Arizona. Let's do that because you <laughs> you said you're coming. I, I I don't I don't have any brain with to do this on the show right now. But we can do it in person at the bar downstairs at the hotel. <laughs> I fun free. fact: I took a in college. I did a study abroad thing. We went down to the Dominican. It's actually how I met my wife. Um, and I took a b- tropical bird watching class there. Well, see, we that would get up at like for that class. It was yeah. cool. I don't remember a thing from it. Um, a couple of <laughs> times, like we would go out at 6 a.m. Cause that's or even before that. Cause that's when that's the best time. And there were times where I uh, just kind of came in from the bar and you just keep going. You don't sleep. Those were the, those it. were the younger years, but uh, yeah. so I'll, I'll maybe, maybe try and dig up those notes at some point for That'd our draft now at first pitch. Cause uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, Go like Blue Jays, Cardinals, Orioles. That's, uh, that's about where my head's at. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I have to have to dig deeper and uh, find some things out. But uh, yeah, good times there. And then Sons of Chandler, Ryan's favorite Twitter follower, um, has a uh, has a comment for us when the board came out. Was hoping for a second half Olsen tear. I think we all were. I think we all were. 
Yeah, and it looked like it was gonna happen. Like he had kind of a, a pretty hot streak a few weeks ago, and I mean, eight home runs the last month. But I don't know; it could still happen. But semi disappointing as a third rounder. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty disappointing. But it's one of those like, but not killing you exactly. And that's the one thing like I kind of mentioned already about you know digging in on guys and seeing you know you drafted a you know hat for this or that didn't work out. You also got to realize just because a guy didn't hit his ceiling, he probably didn't crush you either. So you got to go find the other aspects that crushed you, like in your team construction. It's a lot of ways to build the puzzle, and it, you can't just point it at one thing all the time. My so. my sixth round Trevor Rogers picks have crushed me a lot more than a third that, round. Exactly, uh, that that's that's good. And like you know, last year was always the I took so and so just in round three instead of Vlad Guerrero Jr that kind of stuff where round three still not that bad. Cause I guarantee you that person wasn't horrible, but Vlad was an MVP candidate. So it's just like little things like that. But yeah, Trevor Rogers, that one, that does stink. I'm with you there. I have a lot of hobby bias. If that makes you feel any better, it's been brutal, but it, it um, does not, but, but, but yeah, it's rough. And then that, that I, yeah, so we'll, we'll have time to kind of we'll have do plenty of time. But I just, I just, yeah, I just like to mention that stuff. It's like, there's so many ways to put the puzzle together. You can't just, these, these kind of conversations help, kind of realize it's not as easy as saying oh he sucked in the third round no no he really didn't like kill you so again like you said plenty of time to discuss at a later date and time all right ryan we're gonna wrap it up there like i said we got about six to seven weeks of baseball to go so any final thoughts for the lovely listeners out there not much no not much we alluded to this at the top but we're both doing a um i guess the first six rounds of a 2023 draft rob di pietro our good buddy is putting that together. Um, we're drafting that next Wednesday night, so with some uh, sharks, talk a little bit. Yeah, it's some it's it's a league. Sharks. It's a league. I, so I literally said in the DM today when I saw who was all in this, I'm like, "Why am I in this league? Do you guys want free money, or what was the what was the reasoning for I this?" Think that's it's, why it's, we're in the league. Oh man! And then they're waiting, and they're doing it late because we're the West Coasters. So that's good. At least we get something out of this. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun. It's a DC that we're going to continue on after round six in like November or something. Yep. But uh, first six rounds about it's 100 or so picks 105 picks or something like that uh, to get things going so we'll talk about that next thursday and much much more but uh, thanks for listening everybody make sure you follow ryan on twitter at ryan bhq which i got a speculator column and his fab work for the week at baseball hq i'm on twitter at bd and we'll be back to you guys next week this was bub and the bloom episode 16 catch y'all later <laughs>